This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by race, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus. He was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, although he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. When he had determined to pass over into Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to receive him. When he had come, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews, publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Let's finish off the chapter. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by race, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus. He was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Although he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Prissa and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. When he had determined to pass over into Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to receive him. When he had come, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews, publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Apollos was an Alexandrian Jew who came to Ephesus. It looks like he had a gift for oration and debate. He was well-spoken and articulate. Not only was he a great communicator, but he was mighty in the scriptures. Apollos knew the word and probably had much of it memorized. He believed in Jesus and spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. He could powerfully demonstrate from the Old Testament that Jesus was the Messiah. Apollos was also fervent in spirit. According to Bible commentator Williams, this literally means to boil in the spirit with the idea of bubbling over with enthusiasm. I can imagine Priscilla and Aquila were tickled to death when this guy stumbled into town. If they had an ego, maybe they'd feel threatened by this man's giftings and following. Maybe they'd try to make an enemy out of him and try to put down his ministry because he lacked in a few areas. But it wasn't about Priscilla and Aquila. I don't think they had an ego at all. They saw a guy that had a love and passion for Christ with massive God-given giftings and talents. This guy could debate and orate. He spoke passionately and convincingly the things concerning Jesus. They probably immediately saw incredible potential for this man to be an evangelist, teacher, and preacher. They must have seen him as an asset for the kingdom of Christ and probably didn't care if his ministry overshadowed theirs. After all, they were on the same team, and it was all about Jesus. But they noticed some areas 
that were lacking in Apollo's understanding. He knew only the baptism of John. The reputation and work of John the Baptist was widely known throughout the Jews of the Roman Empire, apparently reaching as far as Alexandria. John baptized with water for repentance, preparing the way for and testifying to the one who would come after him, who is greater than him. John witnessed of Jesus as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. John records in John 1, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Because Apollos knew the work of John the Baptist, he may have preached that the Messiah had come, that we must repent and believe in him. But beyond that, he may not have known much of the full person and work of Jesus Christ. He may not have known all the important details about Jesus' death for our sins, resurrection, and ascension to heaven. He may not have known about the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus had promised to send to those who believed. Prissa and Aquila noticed some areas that were lacking in Apollo's understanding, but instead of making enemies of Apollo's, Instead of gossiping about him behind his back to others saying, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, or he's a false teacher, they wanted to help him. They didn't upload an Apollo's apostasy report video to YouTube slandering the guy left and right. They didn't view Apollo's as a rival or enemy, but as a brother who simply needed some correction in a few areas of doctrine. They saw him as an asset, a team member, a much-needed laborer in Christ's vineyard for souls. When they heard him, they didn't openly correct him in front of an audience. They lovingly and gently took him aside, one-on-one, -on -one, and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I love this approach. Taking him aside for correction was prudent and sensitive. They gave him a chance to get better informed in a way that was least embarrassing for him, taking him aside and privately addressing the issues. When we see a gifted brother in Christ with passion and potential, but needing some direction and encouragement, we can look to how Priscilla and Aquila mentored Apollos as a great example for us to follow. They didn't want to tear down, but rather build up. They weren't seeking to destroy Apollos' ministry, but to enhance it. Before attacking Apollos publicly and making him their enemy, they first sought to lovingly correct him and make him part of the team. They wanted him up to date with the apostles' teachings, fully reconciled in the truth. Likewise, we can care enough to invest in others with our time. If needed, we can take them aside privately and offer constructive advice and give them a chance to grow before pronouncing them enemies and denouncing their ministries. Apollos as well would have needed to set aside his ego to receive their instruction. He was a skilled speaker, 
and probably a well-educated and well-traveled man. He knew the Old Testament well and spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Who were Aquila and Priscilla that they had anything to teach him? How easily Apollos could have hardened himself against them when they took him aside to explain to him the way of God more accurately. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Apollos was willing to submit to their correction. Proverbs 13, verse 18 tells us, Whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. Peter instructs, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's 1 Peter 5, verse 5. And here's one more. Proverbs 9, verse 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Apollos, wise as he was, became even wiser when he listened and adjusted accordingly. He became even more effective for the kingdom of Christ. This isn't to say he blindly received instruction for the sake of submission to others. Paul instructs, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. We can hear people out, examine what they say, see if it lines up with scripture, and then respond accordingly. I've had someone take me aside privately after ministering at a church and gently provide some constructive input. You see, I was somewhat nervous during the service for whatever reason and amped up on adrenaline. I was apparently speaking too fast for this person to absorb all the information. At first, it kind of hurt my feelings when she told me, I think it's easy to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to or consider ourselves more effective than we actually are. So it can be deflating to have to look at ourselves from another's perspective. Do I really look like that? Do I really sound like that? Did I really say it like that? I listened back to the recording, which affirmed what she said. Now I'm grateful for that reminder. I try to be more intentional about speaking with more clarity and remembering to slow down when I get too excited as I try to communicate the truth of God's word with others. Although instruction can be uncomfortable in the moment, it's also a sobering reminder that we are weak and insufficient in our own strength. We will fail at times, but God is always faithful. That's why we can never depend on our own strength and abilities to do God's work. Jesus is everything. As John the Baptist once stated, He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. The power rests in God's Word and in His Spirit to convict and transform people's hearts, minds, and lives. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that was 1 Corinthians 2, verses 3 through 5. It's important that we as believers are held accountable to the standard of God's Word. If we're lacking in some aspect of our ministry, 
in what we teach or how we conduct ourselves. Let's be open to instruction so that we can increase in learning, wisdom, and effectiveness before God and others. James warns, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Ministering God's Word is no trivial matter. It's evident Apollos understood this, receiving input from mature Christians when he was confronted. What was the fruit of Apollos' humble submission to what the Holy Spirit wanted to show him at the hands of Aquila and Priscilla? First, the brothers in Ephesus encouraged him and wrote a letter of recommendation for the disciples in Achaia to receive him. Apollos had been tested and found trustworthy. When we submit to our fellow believers in Christ, when in step with the Spirit, whether that be the local church family and leadership or others, and do so with meekness, demonstrating we are trustworthy and can rightly handle the word of truth, they are more likely to have our backs and recommend our service in Christ to others. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy some standards for those who, for example, want to serve as deacons in the church. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. 1 Timothy 3.10 In Titus 1 verse 9, we learn an important qualification for elder in the church that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. I got saved in 2006. My pastor at my home church allowed me to minister from the pulpit for the entire teaching portion of all three of our services for the first time in 2022. What was happening in the meantime, between 2006 and 2022? I was growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I was being discipled and matured in Christ. I was being tested. My pastor supports and endorses the ministry I've received from Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God in the way the Holy Spirit has uniquely equipped me to do so. Over the years, he's also been a helpful resource in recommending and introducing the ministry with which I'm involved to other pastors around the United States. Coming back to Apollos, his meekness in the face of correction earned him the brother's recommendation. What was another fruit of Apollo's humble submission to what the Holy Spirit wanted to show him at the hands of Aquila and Priscilla? He became more effective in his calling to preach and teach the Word. When he arrived in Achaia upon the brother's recommendation, Apollos was able to help those who believed by powerfully refuting the Jews, publicly showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Apollos must have been aware that being mentored by Aquila and Priscilla was an opportunity for him to learn and become more equipped in his ministry calling. He received it, and God blessed him and others through him for it. Again, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's receive the instruction God has for each of us so we can receive a blessing and be a blessing to others. When Apollos went to the region of Achaia, it's likely he went to Corinth, which was in that region. We know at least at some point Apollos made it to Corinth, according to Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. It's apparent Apollos had an exceptional ministry there. Paul first planted, 
Apollos came later and watered. 1 Corinthians 3, 5-7 says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. All right, let's rewind and revisit verses 27 to 28 of Acts 18 to cover one last point. Luke records that when Apollos had come to Achaia, quote, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews, publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ, end quote. God used Apollos to establish more firmly the new converts in the word of truth so that they wouldn't be tossed back and forth like waves, influenced, tempted, or persuaded by the opposing Jews. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke communicates that idea that the convert's faith in Jesus was a gift of God's grace. Luke wrote, He greatly helped those who had believed through grace. This is like what Luke does in Acts 13 verse 48 when he writes, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Those who had believed through grace. What can we perhaps conclude from those statements? God chooses. Through grace we believe. Set to make every 
to Christ, the Word of God is living and active, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts of the was Spiritual Warfare from the Adams Road album Book of Life. I was a slave to sin A master which could only give me death so the flesh I wanted to belong to you instead My spirit is willing but my flesh is so weak and I know that nothing good dwells in me Jesus my flesh is weak I do what I don't want to do Set me free And I'm sorry for my mistakes My heart just needs your grace My flesh was put to death By the Spirit I was raised again to new is weak But I know I can do anything you ask of me Cause my weakness shows all your strength You cover me with grace You gave 
This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we begin examining Acts chapter 19. Grace and peace be with you all.